with the Holy Spirit. No, 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 I'm not even close to being done yet. Rejoiced exceedingly, and in case you didn't get it yet, with great joy, right? So look at this sentence that the Holy Spirit has written down for us to see. Think the wise men are pretty excited? They rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. That's like joy upon super abundant joy with a little more joy. This is the opportunity of Christmas, man. It overcomes everything. The reality of staring in the face of the Christ child. Hi, friends, and welcome to Live in the Light. I'm your host, Craig Turnbull, and joining me in our studio is Pastor Robbie Simons, and you've joined us in the middle of our Christmas series, A Live in the Light Christmas. Do you have a lot of traditions? Are you getting ready for traditions? Robbie, are you, have you got traditions going at your house? There's a few that we're pretty big on, you know, so I, mean, I must confess the Christmas carols are in full volume. And that's an exciting time for our family. Nice. Some dancing happens around the house. You know what I mean? Nice. Maybe a little bit of eggnog and just celebrating in the fun. So how about you, Craig? What yeah, you well, no, we're Christmas cookie decorating right now. We're Christmas light touring right now. And we got the music jacked as well nice. in our house. Christmas lights are beautiful, right? Yeah yeah. yeah, yeah, And again, of course, the symbol of that, the light that is shining for the light that means all the glory. And that, that's why we're here. That's, that's what we're doing. That's why, again, you and I love Christmas so much. It's the series that we're examining the incarnation at here live in the light Christmas which we pray right now Uh, listeners we pray you are specifically encouraged we know Christmas can be a hard time of year for many but what's the answer to that as always Jesus Christ is the answer I love to say this it's so true you will never stare in the face of Jesus Christ and feel that down ever why because he's the perfect one he is the all-sufficient uh, king of glory, and he came as a baby in a manger. And we're going to learn about that today from the book of Galatians, how he was sent specifically to set you and I free from prison and sin and death and Satan's grasp. That's why the incarnation is so awesome, and that's why the shepherds ran. That's why Mary rejoiced, and that's why the angels sang and sang and sang, because there is no day like this in on earth when Jesus Christ came as a babe for us. So, Christmas is a reason to celebrate. All right, those are some amazing truths that we're excited for today. If you've got a copy of God's Word near you, why don't you go to Galatians chapter 4, and let's join with Pastor Ravi in today's message, Sent to Set Us Free. All right, as I said, Galatians chapter 4, and just as we uh, do that, I'm going to put this up on stage here for a second, and um, I'll get to that in a few moments, all right? But for now, we're in Galatians chapter four, and we're in the second week in our series, um, God with us. Remember, um, the incarnation is, by definition, the incarnation is the infleshing of God. The infleshing, it's where the word became flesh, where God incarnate, okay? Um, the word uh, incarnation is coming from the root um, carne, uh, those who um, are Spanish in their background or speak Spanish, you will be very familiar in other languages as well. Carne, flesh, or meat. And isn't it interesting, this week I was out for dinner and it was an Italian restaurant and they also carry this word too in their roots as well. And there was an option for a pizza carne. So meat lovers. So I said, I have to do it, right? I looked at my wife, I'm saying, the incarnation's everywhere. We're having incarnation pizza, all right? 
So we did that, pizza carne, and of course, flesh or meat, but this is the wonder that the Lord Jesus Christ allowed himself to take on flesh. Now, get the theology in front of you. Be blessed, be excited. Lord willing, we celebrate and remember the Lord's Supper at the end of this message today, okay? Think about it. The incarnation, the word of God taking on flesh and blood that he might die for our sin, that we might be saved as we hold the symbols of the incarnation, the carne, flesh, and the blood of Jesus Christ. It's all connected. Where there's the incarnation, there must be the crucifixion. And so today we see from beginning to end, as we uh, end, we're holding the symbols. Let it, let it just bless you immensely. As you hold the symbols of the Lord's Supper, think of the manger and the God who became flesh to die for you. Don't let that pass over. You just, eh, think about it, treasure it, revel in it. It's awesome. It's beautiful. It's, it's the Lord. And that's the, that's the purpose of this series, that we would have a clearer vision upon the incarnation. Because when we see the incarnation clearly, we have renewed worship. So where there's renewed vision, there's renewed worship. Where there's renewed worship, listen, there's renewed joy. And how many of us here today, we need renewed vision and worship? And you want to see an example of vision, worship, and joy? Here's an example of this. This is an artist's rendition of Simeon. I, I got to show this at least once a year, okay? It's, I say this every year. I have no apology for it. Probably my favorite part of the Christmas story is when Simeon picks up the Christ child and knows he is holding God, okay? And so this artist's rendition, I got to get this in print too and put it in my house somewhere. That would be awesome. All right, so Simeon here, notice here, okay? His eyes are closed. He's never seen so clearly. Make sense? He's never seen more clearly in his entire life because he knows he is holding God. So where there's renewed vision, listen, there's renewed, you think he's worshiping right now? Uh, yes, uh, he is worshiping his face off. He is so filled with God's spirit because he sees so clearly. Listen, you wanna live this life and you wanna worship idols and you wanna walk around and try to get more money to buy more stuff that ends up with nothing? You won't have any vision. You'll have a vision for that which empties your life and hollows out your soul. He could care less about the next paycheck right now because he knows all he has and all he needs, he's got in his arms, okay? Where there's vision, there's worship. You think he's feeling some joy? Is that a tear of sadness? Ah, uh, no. That is a tear of unexplainable, indestructible joy, all rooted, fully, solely founded in the Lord Jesus Christ, the Son of God who came to earth. We had the same opportunity this season. We have the same opportunity every day we live as Christians for vision, worship, and joy. I've always marveled at the theme of joy in Christmas. And I pray, I pray for you, I pray for me, that we would have joy, no matter where we are right now. Some of you are here right now, you're disheartened, discouraged, fighting depression. Some of you have been devastated by different circumstances that happened in your life. All of that, all of that can be overcome by the joy that is found in Jesus Christ. It doesn't mean the trials aren't trials. It doesn't mean the feelings aren't real. What it means is Jesus Christ is greater. He's greater than all the feelings we have and the situations we find ourselves. Look at these verses that are found within the biblical Christmas story and look at the theme of joy, okay? Luke chapter one, this is the angel Gabriel speaking to Zechariah about the birth of his son. Zechariah's son was who again? John the Baptist, yes, okay? And notice this, and you will have joy and gladness 
And many will rejoice at John the Baptist's birth because he will be the forerunner. He will prepare the way for the Messiah, Jesus Christ. Luke 1, now, look at this. For behold, now this is awesome, okay? So this is Mary greeting Elizabeth. And Elizabeth has John the Baptist in her womb at six months. Mary walks into the room to greet Elizabeth. Look what happens. For behold, Elizabeth says, when the sound of your greeting came to my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for, tell me. Okay, okay, yeah. Do you think it's important to have a pro-life position based on this verse? Ah, uh, yes. Do you think God cares about the life in the womb of a mother? Um, ah, uh, yes. Do you think that that life matters and that that's a reality of a human being within the formation and the miraculous understanding of how a child comes and, be, and is developed in the womb of a, of a female? Ah, uh, yes. Ah, uh, yes. Ah, uh, yes. To the point where this child at six months leaped for joy of being led by the Holy Spirit when the sound of the greeting of Mary came in because she was the mother of the Lord Jesus Christ. I mean, that, that just blows me away. And it should blow you away too. Here's another verse on joy coming up. Luke 1, 46 and 47. Mary, after this, she said, my soul magnifies the Lord. My spirit rejoices in God, my savior. That's the natural understanding of when we understand what's happening with Jesus Christ coming. Next verse. Says this, Luke 2, verse 10. This is the famous announcement, one of the most common verses in the Christmas story. And the angel said to the shepherds, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people. That's you and me today, too. This message of the incarnation is good news of great, great joy. But there's more in the biblical Christmas story. I love this one so much. Matthew 2 10. When the wise men saw the star. Now, now look, at, look at how the Holy Spirit goes out of his way as he's writing God's word to indicate to us the level of joy that the wise men experienced as they saw the star that they were searching to worship the son of God, okay? When they saw the star, they rejoiced. Now you could stop right there and that would be good. They rejoiced exceedingly. You're like, okay, that, that's a lot, man. I get it. They were really happy. They were fired up about meeting the Christ child, Right? But the Holy Spirit, no, 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 I'm not even close to being done yet. Rejoiced exceedingly, and in case you didn't get it yet, with great joy, right? So look at this sentence that the Holy Spirit has written down for us to see. Think the wise men are pretty excited? Very. They rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. That's like joy upon super abundant joy with a little more joy. This is the opportunity of Christmas, man. It overcomes everything. The reality of staring in the face of the Christ child you look to him more, you pray to him more, you worship him more, you love him more. I'm just standing at the kitchen sink of our home this morning and just worshiping Christ through music and could not help but raise my hand by my side and just and looking out, eyes closed, and just the worship of because he's so he's so beautiful, he's so awesome, he's so everything. He's he's just he's just he, he's just all my life, he's all I have, he's all I want, he's he's just he's everything. He's joy, he's love, he's perfection. He's just, he's glory. It's just that, that's the opportunity we have every day we live. Now we're not done yet. Look at this. Here's a prophecy of joy. I know I'm coming to Galatians 4 in a bit, okay? So pardon me for this, but I think this is, this is worth it. Isaiah 9, you have multiplied the nation. You have increased its joy. They rejoice before you as with joy. The context here, those who dwelt in a land of deep darkness, on them has light shined. The prophecy of Christ coming. And notice the result. Increase this joy. They rejoice before you as with joy. I mean, look at this. Joy, 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 joy. 
everywhere, as at the harvest. And here's the example, as when they are glad when an army defeats their enemy and they divide the spoil. That's one of the most um, joy-filled, glad-filled times um, an army can experience. When they defeat in victory, and then they begin to divide up the spoil, the treasures of the people they conquered. That's one of the equations that they're relating to when the Lord Jesus Christ shines his light. This is the joy available to all of us. And then the last verse here, John 16, here's what Jesus says about this joy, okay? He says to his disciples, he says to us today, but I will see you again and your hearts will rejoice. Okay, take this, okay, for what it is. This is truth. And no one will take your joy from you. Okay, who's that for? Who isn't that for today? No one can steal your joy in Jesus Christ. No one. The joy that he gives, he gives to you and this joy is eternal. It doesn't mean we don't have bad days. It's the whole point of our bad days that the joy overcomes them as we follow with our lives the Lord Jesus Christ. So no wonder it says in Luke chapter two, and the shepherds returned glorifying and praising God for all they had seen and heard because that's what the story of the incarnation does. So today, some of you are distracted. Some of you are distant from the manger. Some of you are discouraged. Some of you are disheartened. Again, some of you have been devastated. I pray for you today. I pray for me today that the joy of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love that is found in the Father through the incarnation would supersede, overcome all of this, that you would be utterly convinced that the closer you draw to him, the more life is worth being lived. Let me just pray as we officially get into our text now. So Father, briefly, but with all sincerity, would you increase the joy in this room now? Would you speak to those, Lord, who are struggling, suffering? Would you move so powerfully in those, Lord, who are maybe their vision is so foggy, um, they have a hard time seeing right now. I pray supernaturally you will move through this time and you will bring great freedom and love and light. That's why you came, that's why you lived, that's why you died, that's why you rose again. And that's why you will return one day so soon that we would know fully the joy that is found in Jesus Christ. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen, amen. Thank you for your patience in that. I hope though there's great encouragement to you and that's obviously part of our message today, but we will begin officially in the text that we are, Galatians 4. Uh, we're gonna be looking at verses four to seven. We'll take a few moments doing this. We're not gonna belabor this, but we're gonna see. Now, some of you were like incarnation text, Galatians 4, really? And I know, it's pretty neat, huh? It's pretty neat. So you didn't know this was an incarnation text. Hopefully you will by the end of our time together. Our theme today from this text is incarnation. Uh, he was sent to set us free. He was sent that we might be set free. Galatians 4 verse 4 says this, but when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son. There it is. I mean, I wrote my margin there, incarnation. God sent forth his son born of woman, born under the law to redeem those who were under the law so that we might receive adoption as sons and because you are sons, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. Notice the conclusion here, verse seven. So you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir through uh, God. 
I want us to see a few things that will renew our minds right away regarding Christmas and specifically the incarnation, just from the first half of verse four. And these will be on the screen beside me here so you can see them and observe them. Notice this about Christmas in verse four of Galatians four. First of all, uh, notice God's timing. Notice God's timing as it relates to the incarnation. Loved ones, what do we know about the timing of God? We know this, God is never late. God is never late. Our impatience does not make God late. Our impatience is a form of sin as we fail to trust and believe God that he is much smarter than we are. So God is never late. God has perfect timing. Look at verse four where it says, but when the fullness of time had come, God sent. God knew the right time, the perfect time to send his son into the world. He knew precisely. I love when Gabriel is speaking to Zechariah in Luke chapter one and Zechariah is questioning the fact that they will give birth to a son because of age and whatnot. Gabriel says this almost in frustration to Zechariah. He says, he says this, "Um, I stand in the presence of God. That alone is awesome. I was sent to speak to you. So, So Gabriel's sitting there. He's standing in the presence of God and God's like, go now. He says, I was sent to speak to you to bring you this good news. God is absolutely in charge. His timing is perfect. When the time was right, he sent forth his son. He knew exactly the precise time to do it in the life of his son. Listen, listen. And God's timing is perfect in the life of his children as well. That's you and me. There's an application right here, right from verse four, in the fullness of time had come. God's timing is always perfect. Can you step back far enough? Can you trust that the timing of God for your life will be perfect based on the things we wanna see, based on the things we think we have not seen? You know how powerful it is to step back and say, God, I would have chosen to have it this way, but I know you are not ignoring me. I know that there's nothing beyond your control. I know that you are perfect. So I submit, surrender my life. I surrender my situation. I choose to trust you now as opposed to complaining to you that you are not meeting the desires at my time and in my way. It's powerful Christianity right there. And that's the way we're called to live. God's timing. Secondly, God's sovereignty. God's sovereignty. When the fullness of time had come, um, God sent. So according to Galatians 4, the first half of verse 4, who's in charge? God is. Um, Who's in control? God is. Who's deciding? God is. Who's orchestrating the events of the Christmas story, let alone the events of the entire universe? God is. I mean, it's marvelous to see God's sovereignty reigning over every single aspect of the Christmas story uh, relating around the incarnation. It's marvelous to see that. Whether it's the shepherds or the angels or the wise men or Mary or Elizabeth or John the Baptist, he is in control of every single detail. I've said this many times with the history of our church and I love to say it again. I just, I marvel at the fact that the reason it's the year 2016 is because all the, this is what the God haters of the world, they just will never admit they hate it so much. They hate it so much. It's 2016 AD, Anno Domini, the year of our Lord. Our entire globe ultimately revolves around this event of the incarnation. The entire globe and the atheists, those who again hate God and reject him, they just, it bugs them so much. But isn't that, isn't that just a marvel? Okay, like, so if I'm not a believer, And just that fact alone caused me to sit back and be like, how did that happen? 
How could it be that the entire timing of the world is centered on the birth of Christ? So they try to explain it away and they go, no, no, you can't. It's before Christ and after Christ. Every God in his sovereignty decided that all of time is centered on his son because the entire universe is centered on his son. Hey, loved ones, let that encourage you. No one's ever gonna change that because God decided it would be. Love it. Love him. God is sovereign. Revel in that. Rest in his sovereignty. God's timing, God's sovereignty, God's mercy. God's mercy. Notice, when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son. What I want you to see here, okay? God's plan for redemption. It wasn't like, okay, my son, um, I'm gonna send you to earth. Uh, You're gonna get there. You're gonna be born, grow up a little bit, learn how to talk and stuff like that. And then we'll kind of take a survey and we'll assess what do we do from there? We'll see, do you have to die? Maybe you don't. Maybe we'll just kind of see how things are going. Things will get better. No, no. The plan from the very beginning before the foundation of the world, God knew what was gonna happen because he's sovereign. And in his mercy, God's plan was, I'm sending my son to die for the sins of, of the ones I've created. There was no option. The whole time, the plan was to send the son to die. What is that? That's the mercy of God. When the fullness of time had come, God sent his son. Listen, for you and for me, that's mercy. That's love. That's grace. That's awesome. Look again at verse four. God sent forth a son, notice now, born of woman, born under the law. So here, loved ones, if you notice, here again, we have that theological term I mentioned last week, hypostatic union. That is Jesus Christ, fully God, fully man. One person, two natures. Can you see in this verse where Jesus is labeled as fully God and where Jesus is all indicate he is fully man? Look here, it says, God sent forth his son, fully God. The son of God, God himself came down to earth. Now notice, born of woman, fully man. So right here in this verse, here we have the reality of the nature of Jesus Christ, one person, two natures, fully God, fully man, born of woman is stressing the incarnation. And then Paul says to the church of Galatia that he was born under the law. Now, why did he say that? Why is it important that we learn Jesus was born under the law? This is once again, the staggering humility of Christmas. Okay, so think, okay, put on your theological minds for a second, pay attention, open your eyes and your hearts right now and your minds to learn, okay? Jesus is the one who gave the law. The one who gave the law dwells on earth as a a human being, fully man, places himself under the law, Like he subjects himself to the law that he gave. That he might live a perfect life to fulfill the law. Okay, so track with me here. The one who gives the law, because he demands perfection, puts himself under the law. He then fulfills the law to live a perfect life that he might meet the demands of the law because his father demands perfection, that he might become a curse of the law on our behalf to save us from what we could not do. That is awesome. Jesus Christ was born under the law in a staggering form of humility that he might become a curse for us, that his blessing might be seen in our life, that our sin might be placed upon him. So I told you each week, I'm gonna try to do Christmas hymn lyrics to songs. Here's one right here from Joy to the World. No more let sin and sorrows grow. Why? Um, Nor thorns infest the ground. Might as well just put weeds in there, eh? Hate weeds, thorns, same thing, right? Because they're just the curse of sin, okay? 
He comes to make his blessings flow. That's why Christ came. He came to become a curse for us far as the curse is found. He comes to save the world from its sin. Are you so sick of your sin? I'm so sick of sin. I hate sin. I hate sin here. Some of you are here right now and you're just so sick of sin. It's killing you, emptying you, devastating you. It doesn't have to be that way. Jesus Christ came to set you free from sin. Jesus Christ came to release you from the bondage of sin. In fact, look at our context of the book of Galatians. Look at chapter three, verse 13. Chapter three, verse 13. Look at it there. Galatians 3, 13. Look at this. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone who is hanged on a tree. So do you see that? This is why he came, born under law, to put himself under the law, to fulfill the law, to become a curse for us in the law, to take on our sin that we might be set free if we choose to believe by grace through faith. It's a pretty good deal, loved ones. It's a pretty good deal. So notice here, notice what's happening in Galatians 4 so far. We have incarnation fact, the facts of the incarnation. God sent his son, born of woman, fully man, born under the law for the reason that he came and the facts that he did this. We go from incarnation fact now to incarnation fruit in verses five, six, and seven. And now we come to our official outline, which we will move through quite quickly now. And the question we're answering really is this, why Christmas? Why was Jesus Christ sent? Why the incarnation? And we answer that now from verses five, six, and seven. Here's the first answer to this. Again, our official outline now, which is God sent forth his son. Why? Number one, to redeem me from my sin. He sent forth his son to redeem me from my sin. So look at verse five, okay? So we have our context, I hope very clearly presented. And now notice the cause. To redeem those who were under the law. So Jesus Christ was born under the law. He was sent to redeem those who were under the law. What does redeem mean? Redeem means to purchase out of. Redeem means to buy back from. It's more than rescue. It's rescuing by buying someone out of slavery. Jesus as our redeemer, that song and that word comes up a lot in the songs we sing. Jesus, as our redeemer, paid our ransom. He purchased us out of sin and Satan's grasp and slavery to death and gave us life. This is why he came. This is why the incarnation happened, that he might live perfectly and then die that we might be saved. So this is why the incarnation carries so much joy. Because when Christ arrives on earth, the payment for our sin has arrived. Okay, so as you're opening up your presence this season, please, please let us discipline ourselves. And we, we really, we really, really need to do this and should do this as people who call themselves true, authentic, mature followers of Jesus Christ. As you open up, let me just ask you this too. Like, genuinely right now, before you and God, are you more excited about material presence this Christmas than you are about the reality of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, given to you as, I mean, just answer that honestly to your heart right now. I don't know what the answer is. God does, and you do too. Are you more excited about what you might get this Christmas materially 
than you are even about the truths of this message here today. If you are more excited about material things, that's a place for, I need to repent. Like my heart is not in a good place. Because anyone who's here is like, I'll follow Christ. And you honestly, see, we prove what we love by what we think about, what we choose to spend our time on, by what we watch, by what we do. What we spend our money on. It really shows where our hearts are at. The discipline I pray for this church, for you and me, is that we would understand that when we open Galatians 4 verse 5 up, and we read that he has redeemed those, me, you, under the law. This is the greatest present you could ever dwell upon. There is no present that comes close. The fact that we have been purchased out of our slavery to sin. So this Christmas, my prayer is that we would understand that the gift presented in Galatians chapter 4, verse 5, is a gift of eternal value, of full and complete perfect redemption that any temporal gift of this world cannot even hold a candle to. You're listening to Live in the Light with Robbie Simons. Have you been challenged or encouraged recently by something that you've heard on this program? This is your opportunity to step forward and give so someone else can be encouraged like you have been. You can give to Live in the Light online at liveinthelight.ca or by calling us at 844-225-4448. We can't wait to hear from you. Thanks for listening to us today. Join us again next time on Live in the Light.